Welcome to the Every Breath Counts podcast. My name is Ryan Shecklin. Each week I interview experts and leaders about their stories and strategies on how to optimize your mind, your body, your career, and your life so that you can make every breath count. Thank you for investing your time in the show and yourself. Now let's get started. Andy Warhol said, they always say time changes things, but you actually have to change them for yourself. And Barack Obama said, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. My guest today is Nate Dukes. Nate is the author of the number one Amazon best-selling book, You'll Never Change. Nate shares his story of growing up poor, becoming addicted to drugs, and ending up in jail. But most importantly, Nate and I discuss how he took accountability and changed the trajectory of his life. Nate also shares actionable challenges that you can make today, regardless of whether you're at your lowest point in life or already on a successful path, but want to level up your career and life. So no matter where you are on your journey, if you desire more for yourself, this episode is for you. And if you know anyone that could relate to Nate's story of navigating life's ups and downs, send them the link to this episode. And if this is your first time here, welcome and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. And if you found this episode inspiring, educational, or entertaining, I would be grateful if you gave us a five-star rating wherever you listen and tag me on Instagram at Every Breath Counts Podcast with any feedback. Get ready to change your life with Nate Dukes. Nate Dukes. Dude, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Listen, I have done a deep dive into this show and I've listened to a ton of episodes. I've actually become a fan of this show and I love the content. I love the guests that you've had. So being on the other side of it now is a real honor and I'm super humbled by this whole thing. So thanks for having me, brother. Oh, absolutely. And it's, look, I'm honored to have you listening to this show. So it's always great to hear that. And, And look, you... Have, wrote, have written a number one bestseller, You'll Never Change. And something I'm passionate about is helping people realize that you can and need to be the hero of your own story. That's right. And in your book, You'll Never Change, which also help, helps others come to this realization, dude, the format of this book makes it so easy to relate to and also take action to grow. So who'd you actually write this book for? Yeah, so they say, uh, uh, it's a great question, by the way. They say a good book is the conversation that you have over and over and over and over again. And um, for a long time, the question that I kept getting asked was, Nate, how do I create my own comeback? Because I've seen what you've done Mm. and it inspires me, but I have no idea how you did it. Um, And so this book was written for anybody who feels like, man, my life is just too messy to change, or I feel like there's something more inside of me, but I don't know how to go to that next level. Or I've always wanted to create a vision for my life, but I don't even know what that looks like. How do you even get started on something like that? And so this book is part inspiration. So it's going to make you feel good. Um, But also too, there's, there's practical advice. There's actionable steps behind all of it because 
if information changed people, we would all be very rich and very skinny. <laughs> but it's it's not yes. the information that changes us. It is the actions that we take behind it that can ultimately create a different life for us. Yeah, there's this great um, there's this great branding expert that I've heard on a number of podcasts. His name's Rory Vaden. He has a he has a branding company called Build Your Brand or Building Your Brand or Brand uh, Brand Builders is actually what it's called. And he's said on a number of podcasts, he said information is free. It's everywhere. You yeah. can get any information you want. People don't pay for information. They pay for organization and application. So good. And it is such a profound theory because that's it. Like you can find anything anywhere. And the format of your book was great because it's it's a story, it's a lesson, and then it's a challenge. Yep. And I think every single chapter kind of follows the same blueprint and it's great to have a relatable story and then also have some action that comes along with it. So I know from your book that you were not always the hero of your own story. So can you share your lowest point in life? And then we'll get into how you kind of take control and start working through it. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, I would definitely, you're 100% right when you say that I wasn't always the hero of my story. I, I feel like sometimes I was actually the villain of my own story. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, man. Like, I, some, we'll hear this from time to time. We'll say we're, we're our own worst enemy. And, yeah. and that really is not in my vocabulary anymore. But there was a time in my life where I was definitely someone who self sabotaged myself. Uh. And the lowest point of my life was I was, <laughs> so I was sitting in the back of a cop car. Um, I'd just been arrested because um, I was woken up at 9 a.m. inside of a stolen car. And a stranger's hand reached in, put me in handcuffs, sat me in the back of a cop car. Um, and I'd realized that, okay, I, I'm, in, I'm in some serious trouble right now. And so it was in that moment that um, uh, you say like, I had like this eye-opening moment of, dude, you got to make some changes in your life because this is not who we are and this is not where we want to be. Jeez. So how in the world did you end up with a cop pulling you out of a car? Yeah. So to understand this moment, we really have to take a look back at how I grew up. And I only want to touch on this for just a second because it adds some context to the story. Um, growing up, we didn't have a whole lot. Uh, uh, our family, they were what you would call the poor family. Um, my parents, they had some broken mindsets and I want to be very clear. Um, I don't blame them for anything because they were just kids trying to raise kids. Uh, but when I turned 18, I knew that I wanted to really escape the chaos of my childhood. And so I did what any 18 year old does when they don't know what to do with their life. I went to a, uh, public university and I took out a whole bunch of student loan debt, uh, which really set me up for a huge win in the future. Um, and so uh, I, I knew that I wanted to really create something out of my life, but I didn't know how to do it. And so I was going to class, but I was also introduced to the party scene. So I started drinking. I started experimenting with drugs. And I'll tell you, man, I had a really good time. There was some there were some really amazing moments. I felt like I had a personality. I was being introduced to new people. Um, but what feels good in the moment isn't always good for our future. And yeah. so now here I am having my, my studies and my class time starting to compete with partying and going out at night. And, and so now I'm starting to take prescription ADD medication just to try and keep up. And 
I was super focused, but what started out as a weekend fun experience um, turned into at age 19, 20, and 21, it turned into a full-blown drug addiction. So after four years, I managed to come nowhere close to getting a degree. So I had to move back in with my mom and dad. I, I left college altogether. And um, through a series of events, I actually was able to start my own business because that's the was always the dream. I want to start something. I want to create something. Yeah. I want to build something. And so I took a stab at trying to create my own marketing company. And uh, at, at, you know, at 21, 22 years old, I really had no idea what I was doing. But you hear these stories of these young hotshot kids who drop out of college, they become wildly successful, and they make a yeah. ton of money doing it. Um, yeah, Zuckerberg, right? I mean, that's that's everything. That's the dream, right? Well, it was my dream at one point, and but I want to be very clear: that is not my story. <laughs> that never <laughs> that never happened for me. Um, but what it did do is it, it put me in the right room in a, in a situation that a friend of mine who wanted to open up a bar in downtown Youngstown, Ohio. Um, he approached me and said, would you want to partner with me? And this really touched on the entrepreneur, the builder that was on the, the inside, but it also touched on this like party scene guy who I'd really developed into as well. Yeah. And so um, we, over the course of about two years, we took this business from what was a failing business in the beginning and we turned it into something that was actually pretty successful. Um, so I now had access to probably more money than I had ever seen in my life at this point. Um, it wasn't a life changing amount of money, but you got to understand being the poor kid growing up, it, it really felt like the world to me. So I had a, a decent car, I had the apartment with high, high rise ceilings. Um, I was in social settings that I probably would have never had access to before. And I thought that once I get all of this stuff, that I would finally be happy, that I would finally just be okay with my life that this insecure person who I really was deep down inside would finally go away. And it turns out that none of that actually happened. I mm. wasn't happy. I didn't find fulfillment. I didn't feel complete. I still was afraid of my emotions. And so now the drug addiction really starts to get out of control. So now I'm taking three, four, five times the amount prescribed to any human. And I'm starting to experiment with what's the right um, combination of things that I can take to make me feel the way that I want to feel. Um, I'm taking things to keep me up during the day to make me sleep at night. And, and all of this stuff is mixing together. And I just want to feel okay with who I am. And now I'm starting to, to, to gamble and go to casinos. And, and it wasn't even about winning the money anymore, man. Now I'm finding myself addicted to actually the high that I'm getting from being in those environments and the winning Jeez. and the losing. And so uh, over the course of about a year, I ended up gambling everything that I personally had away. Lost my car. Uh, my personal accounts were empty, but the business bank accounts, they were still full. So um, I started to uh, move money around, <laughs> I guess is a, is a kind word to say it. Uh, and I, I guess I thought to myself at this point, well, geez, I'm the business owner. Isn't this my money anyways? Right. Well, here's the deal. You can't take business money and use it for personal investments. That's actually called embezzlement. And so here I am taking money from my own business to feed this drug and gambling addiction that's living on the inside of me. And we had several employees who worked for us. And it was a Friday. My business partner comes up to me. He says, Nate, it's time to cut the checks for everybody. And I just remember coming clean in this moment. And I said to him, um, 
hey, listen, if, if we write these checks, there's not going to be enough money in the accounts to cover them. And you could see the look on his face. He was frustrated. He was upset. He was confused. Um, but then uh, everything started to catch up to him. And he realized that I had taken the payroll money the night before. And I just gambled it all away. Jeez. And uh, so he gave me an ultimatum at this point. So he said, Nate, you can sign everything over to me free and clear, or I'm going to get lawyers involved and I'm going to press charges. So um, at this point, I, I sign everything over. I walk away and uh, I don't know who I am anymore. My identity is being wrapped up in being a business owner. And when you take that away from me, I feel very lost. And uh, yeah. so I could hardly hold down a job too. This is so crazy. I could hardly hold down a job. I would, uh, I would go to like a local restaurant and become a server for them. Um, but I would end up uh, resorting back to what I knew, which was taking from the cash register. So mm. I'd steal, I get caught and then I get fired. And uh, this happened three different times. Finally, the last time it happened though, I was uh, walking around my parents' apartment complex where I was staying. It was three o'clock in the morning. I'd just taken a handful of pills and I was walking up to different vehicles trying to see if any of them were unlocked. Um, really, I was looking for anything that I could sell, anything that I could take to just feed the monster inside of me. And uh, I ended up opening up the car door to a 1999 Buick LeSabre. And as I opened up the car door, I lifted it up the center console and I pulled out the spare keys to that car. Um, apparently that's where you keep the spare keys to a 99 Buick LeSabre. <laughs> uh, but I thought to myself in this moment, um, maybe this is a chance to escape. Maybe this is a gift. Maybe this is a way to get out of the yeah. life I'm living right now. Um, I did not wake up that morning thinking to myself, today's the day I'm going to steal a car. But when you find yourself in the wrong place with the wrong headspace, you never know what is possible. And uh, yeah. I knew that I had a buddy who lived in Houston, Texas. He said, if you ever find a way down here, I'll help you start your life over. So I, I loaded up five garbage bags of clothes and I, I took off for Texas. I made it halfway uh, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee to a small town um, called Ashland City. And I pulled into a gas station. I had been up for like three days at this point and I just wanted to get some sleep. And, uh, I, uh, that this was when at 9am I heard three really loud bangs on the driver's side door. Um, I, I'm getting arrested and I'm getting put in the back of a cop car. Jeez. That's, uh, that's an eye opening situation. And that is a situation where you're definitely not the hero of your own story. So this is a really low point and you, told a lot in that story and there's a lot yeah. of there's ups and downs and there's ebbs and flows and it, it ultimately kind of comes crashing down at the end to your ultimate low point so let's figure out now how you're able to really break out of this negative habit this negative loop that you're in that ends up keep bringing you down i'm curious to know um, I mean, did you feel, cause you obviously had these addictions and they're really fueling everything you're doing. I mean, do you think you're predisposed to having like an addictive personality from something that happened in your childhood or do you think it was just like from the situation you were in? Yeah, for sure. I think that when you're surrounded in certain environments and it becomes very accessible, it's almost easy to, and socially accepted 
sometimes you find yourself being drawn into these moments. Mm. Um, yeah, that you're now you're getting into some really like recovery theory where it's like, um, am I a product of my surroundings or my product of my choices? I think it, I don't know if it's one or the other. Can it, I think maybe it's both and, um, okay. uh, yeah, I think more. that I was probably, uh, definitely predisposed in the fact that the environments that I was raised in, even in college, the environments that I was exposed to, um, they probably overtook the belief system that I had, uh, which was, you know, I'll try anything once. <laughs> yeah. um, and so also too, when you try something and you feel really good, you have a hard time, um, understanding what everybody was talking about when they said, Hey, don't do that. It's bad for you. Um, because you feel like, well, why this feels really amazing right now. I feel like I'm surrounded with a community of other people who are doing this. So now you have that connection and that community feeling. Um, I personally, um, my emotions are numb. So those negative emotions, I didn't have a good sense of self that was gone. That was taken care of. And especially if you're taking like, um, uh, ADD medication, I'm also being productive. So I'm like creating a, a life that I've always wanted. How, where, where's the downside? Well, so here's the thing. When you start to use drugs and enhance your dopamine output, so like you go up really, really high, um, nobody likes to talk about the fact that you'll go equally as low. And so it's, it's in those low moments that really start to destroy your life. Yeah. So it's the extremes, right? And it's, it's, there's always, um, like an equal and opposite reaction to what you're doing and whether that's getting that high from drugs or being super low, it's, it's really important to understand that there's another side, right? So you could take a look at this and you could say, okay, well, I'm on this high from the drugs. You do always have to keep in the back of your mind, like, okay, there's going to be a crash after yes. this. Same thing with sugar, right? You take, you know, a yeah. handful of gummy bears, like there's, there's going to be a crash at the end of that. But I think it's also really important to understand that like, if you're at this extreme low, yeah. like, there's another side to that too. And the way to get to the other side is difficult and it might require someone trying to help you get there. Yes. And I know one of the things that you write about is that change requires commitment. Mm. So how do you kind of take control of your life when you're in this negative feedback loop? Yeah, for sure. So personally, how I did it. Um, so I'm in the back of this cop car. The weight of every decision is sitting on my chest like a ton of bricks. I feel like a mm. failure. I'm feeling like, man, this is cool. So um, this is where I actually get the title for the book. Um, uh, this thought kept rolling around in my brain. It was the same thought that my business partner told me. Uh, it was the same thought that uh, other people that I had taken advantage of told me. Uh, but I have found that the loudest voice is oftentimes the one that's in our own head. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it kept saying, you'll never change. This is your life. Now you're never going to change, Nate. You're never going to be any different. So just accept it. And so they took me to Cheatham County jail where I spent six months of my life. Um, it was a pod style facility. So we shared this pod with 16 guys. There were eight bunk beds. There was three tables. There were two restrooms, um, but there were zero windows. And the only chance that we got to get out was once a month, they offered something called church service. Um, so I wasn't really interested in going to church, um, but I, I did want uh, to get out of that pod. So I, I, we went, we walked down this long hallway 
Off to the left-hand side, there's a cinder block room uh, with 16 folding chairs set up. And uh, so we're all walking into this room and we're some ugly looking dudes at this point. So our hair is grown out. Our beards are a mess. I really don't think orange is a good color on for any guy. Um, but so we, we all file in and then this really, really old guy, he walks in behind us and he pulls out this really, really old guitar. He starts hmm. to tune it up and uh, he looks at us and he says, fellas, the only difference between me and you is that I never got caught for the things that I did. And he starts to play this song, Amazing Grace. And it goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And uh, I looked around the room and there were 16 guys who were you know, criminals, people who had taken advantage of other people. And they had tears streaming down their face. And um, it's really hard to describe this moment because I wasn't really worried about the things that I had done in the past or my future when I was going to get out of here. But this overwhelming sense of peace sat on me and that weight started to lift off of me. And I just remember in that moment crying out and saying, if it is possible to change, I want to. Because this is not the life I want. That's not the life I want anymore. And so when I got out of jail... Um, after six months, they gave me two years of felony probation, um, because you're not allowed to steal cars and drive them across the country. Uh, I learned that one the hard way, but, uh, <laughs> um, when I got out, I got really obsessed with how do you create sustainable change? Because I don't know if you've ever started a diet before or started to work out, but man, I've started and stopped so many things in my life. And I would look around at other people though, and I would see that they've created change in their life. And, you know, I don't know if they were necessarily smarter than I was, or, or I definitely don't think that they were luckier than I was, but they did have this commitment and this hunger and this desire that just said, no matter what, I'm not going to give up this time. Even when it gets hard, I'm not going to quit. And so for me to actually start to create real change in my life, um, I, I, I committed myself. I was going to take one year. Let me just give myself one year to become the best version of me. So uh, I'm going to become the best version of me emotionally and mentally, um, financially. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have my best financial year ever. Um, spiritually, I'm going to explore what that looks like. I'm going to become the best friend. I'm going to become the best son. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, uh, several years removed from that whole process, transformation doesn't just take one year. Okay, um, I'm still in the middle of it, still trying to figure out well who is the best version of Nate. And, uh, but, but the reason why I did this is because I knew what my life looked like if I stacked up a bunch of negative, poor decisions. I had no idea what my life could look like if I stacked up a bunch of really good, healthy decisions. And so that was really the beginning with my obsession with personal development and trying to like human optimization and really starting to take control of my own life. Yeah. So Nate, this is a, I mean, this is a touching, touching story and experience. And I want to go back to Amazing Grace because the reaction that it seemed like you had when you were hearing and listening to this song, it it was like this experience of for the first time, like looking within yourself and finding your identity and, and almost kind of realizing who you were who you could 
become? And I know like the the first challenge without giving away too much of your book. I mean, you know, we we did say that look, information is free, right? This this first challenge that you talk about is creating a vision for your life. Yeah, man. And I think it's such a beautiful thing to think about because if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have a vision, then you have no idea what to do on a daily basis. You yes. have to have a big long-term goal, vision, identity. So, I mean, how can, what are like the three things someone can do yep. to realize their own identity and kind of bring a vision into reality? Yeah, this is great. And I love this. So right now, if you're struggling with your life, if you're unhappy with what where, where you're at, if you're feeling frustrated with yourself or maybe even overwhelmed, this is going to be a great part for you. Because the reality is, is that I believe that all of us already have the built-in abilities and strength and determination that we need to change our lives. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what I think about you. It doesn't matter what Ryan thinks about you. It matters what you think about you. So the, the very first thing that we have to get right, that we have to conquer is this mindset that says you're never going to change. We have to overcome that. And we just have to believe that change is possible a better life is available. New things are out there for us. We do deserve new experiences. We do deserve to have a really great and beautiful life, regardless of the life that we've lived previously. So that's the first thing. We have to understand that it is possible. But after that, when we talk about creating a vision for our life, you know, if you want to go to a, uh, uh, the airport right now and you go and you say, hey, listen, I want to get on an airplane. I want to fly somewhere, baby. They will 100% sell you a ticket. But the question is, is it anywhere that you actually want to go? Mm. So until we get very clear on the direction of our life, the destination of our life, there will always be someone to come along and tell us what it should look like. So we want to start to take control of that. We want to say, take control of our future. Um, and the way that we do that is we start to ask questions like, what do you want your life to look like? And, and when you we have these conversations, you know, most people we have not thought about this at all, or, or if we did, it, it was very surface level. And, and we'll say things like, um, you know, I just want to be happy. Uh, I just yeah. want my kids to be taken care of. I just want the bills to be paid. And intrinsically, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually very beautiful. That's noteworthy. That's honorable. But I, I don't think that it's actually specific enough for what we're trying to accomplish here. And so we want to start to do a deep, deep dive and we want to figure out, okay, so what do I want my legacy to look like? Um, mm -hmm. What do I want to pass down to the next generation? Um, you know, you, we, we've heard this quote before that says, what people think about me is none of my business. And I, I subscribe to that. I really do. But I also want to leave a good taste in people's mouths when I leave the room. So what do yeah. I want people to say about me when I'm not there? Um, and I mean, if we want to get real deep, like what kind of financial situation do I want to be in? What kind of finances do I want to provide for my kids, for my family, for the next generation? Um, and we start to unpack and uncover, we do a, a discovery and a deep dive to figure out what is this vision for our life. And, and then we, we even know like there's the seven layers of why, like, let's go, let's go deep on this thing. Let's figure out why we want it. And that's all really important. So the very first process is, is creating this beautiful vision that, man, it, it compels me to get up. It moves me forward. It pushes me from behind. Um, but also, too, once we have that in place, we now need to add in 
our decisions. And um, contrary to popular belief, the things that we do every single day, they matter so much, right? Um, Our decisions can determine our destiny. And so we want to make sure that our decisions are either lining up with our vision um, because if they're not, then they're actually, they're pulling bricks away from the foundation and the empire that we're trying to create. So we want to, we're either building or we're taking away. So So just, yeah. And decisions, I mean, that's a, that's a good word, but there's been a lot of, um, a lot of talk, you know, and a lot of like books recently published about habits, right? All yeah, you man. hear enough habits, habits, habits. What are your habits? Positive <laughs> habits, negative habits. I mean, are, are, when you talk about decisions, are you talking about habits and actions that are being taken? Or are you talking about like the mindset around those actions? Yeah. I, so I definitely, you, you need the actionable habits. You need those in place. So like decisions of I'm going to wake up when I say that I'm going to wake up, man, yeah. that's, a, that's such an important one. <laughs> um, or, uh, like, so if I know that I want to achieve a certain physical body type, I need to start to create decisions and create habits and create actions that line up with the, what's it's going to take to actually get me there. But on, on the reverse of that, yeah, like my decisions around my mindset, the decisions around where my life is actually going to be going. Yeah. So like I, if you think about your life right now, where you live, who you're with, what you do, um, it is all responsible in some part to the decisions that we've made in our past. And mm. I, I don't want us to like fall into this trap that we should have known what those, what the right and wrong decisions are. But I do want us to see the power of our decisions and just how important and uh, special and magnificent they can actually be for our life. Because at any moment, a new decision can help create a new life for us. So, so yes, we want our habits. They're super important, but we also want want to understand, like we want to start to take some control of our mindset and our decisions as well. Now, this is, this is all great. This is all like, this is probably not new information for a lot of people. Um, I feel like some people, maybe if you're hearing this for the first time, I'm so excited for you, but this also might just be a reminder for some people of like, okay, yes, I already, I know this, you're bringing it to the service for me, but here's the part that I want to touch on. This is the good stuff right here. So if you have a vision, you add in your decisions, here's the hardest part. I wish that I had a life hack for this. I wish that I did, but I don't yet. So maybe one day if you figure it out, you can write a book on it. You become super successful. Um, But once you have all of that in place, you have to multiply this by time. Um, The Mm -hmm. hardest four letter word that any of us are ever going to hear is wait. And, uh, you know, if you can go and you can take a frozen pizza and throw it into the oven right now and it'll taste okay. It'll be, it'll be okay. Um, but there's something about some Carolina barbecue that has been cooking, uh, like smoking all day. I just want us to understand that if this is going to be significant, it is going to take some time. So take some of that pressure off of yourself. You, the, the little achiever that is inside of you that keeps trying to push, and just yeah. know that this is going to be a process. And comparing your process and your timeline to somebody else's is devastating. And it will actually do more harm for you than it will good. So we want to know that we're making the right decisions, but this is going to take a long time to actually accomplish and get to where you ultimately want to go. Yeah. So two things with that, right? I mean, there's a famous quote, comparison is the thief of joy, right? And that's so true because look, you should be looking to other people. Mentors are so important. And if you're listening to this, 
please find a mentor, find a mentor and a friend in a role model in a book and a podcast. It's so important to have that mentor, but don't compare yourself to that mentor. Don't compare yourself to other people you see online. You are you, your own unique and special person. That's right. And you have your own path, right? And I think that's so important. It's so important to really understand and accept. And you know, I, I was curious about this term weight that you you had talked about because I agree with you that weight is a, it's a terrible word. Um, and the reason that I see it is it's, it's inactive, yeah. right? Like weight is inactive. Weight means you're not doing it, doing anything. Patience on the other hand, come on, brother. Patience means you are actively doing something over time, but the timeline that it takes to happen may be long. Yes. So I agree with you that weight is and this is where I'm like oh, maybe weight's not the right term for this. Sure. Maybe it's more patience because I hate the idea of inactive waiting. Yes. versus patience. Yeah, and patience is something by the way guys that we are not born with. Patience mm. is definitely something that, <laughs> that we have to be taught. And it's painful. Patience can be painful, but man it is so worth it because here's the deal. Giving up never got you to where you want to go. So we're not going to give up this time. We are not going to choose to give up. We're going to continue to push forward. Even if that means we're building our life back brick by brick, there's something beautiful about being at the bottom there. It's something beautiful about yes. starting over and creating the life that you've always wanted, but just under, understand that. Yes, this is going to take some time that patience is going to be involved. I love that word. I think that's, I, I'm actually going to start using that more. I think that's, that's a, that's a, a way better way to describe the process that we're all going to have to go on. Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, is, you know, you talk about patience and these long-term goals and this vision. And I think it underscores the importance of what you talk about, that your vision has to be crystal clear Yes, because I think patience is a much easier pill to swallow if you understand your vision with crystal clear clarity. Uh, for example, if you're going to build a house and you're going to build it with bricks. Like if you understand that your vision is to build a complete house, you're okay laying one brick at a time because yeah. you know that eventually all those bricks will add up to be a house. Now, if someone says, Hey, I want you to go out and lay bricks. Well, okay. Even if they give you the blueprint, you don't know what you're building. You just know yeah. you're laying bricks. It's got to be so much harder to have that patience. You wow. don't have this end in mind. So I think being crystal clear with your vision really allows you to embrace every single brick you lay down. That's so good, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can just even envision myself out there right now putting bricks together, having no reason, and then getting frustrated and giving up. Yes. And then as soon as something else comes along that's more exciting or pays better, how many of us have been there? As soon as something comes yeah. along that pays better, we give up on the thing that we started to build in the first place. Yeah, because you may say, like, let's just take like three little pigs for an example, right? Like, okay, well, if I'm going to lay bricks to build a house because I don't want a wolf to come eat me, like, I understand that that's my mission. Well, if I see a bunch of sticks and I'm like, hey, I could, I could build a house much quicker. I could use the leftover money that I was going to spend on bricks to buy me like a nice car to, to roll up into my stick house. You know, like <laughs> now, 
I can get distracted and I can move in a different direction, but understanding the vision and why I want to have a big brick house is so much more important than getting distracted and, and kind of pursuing things that might not be best for me. Yeah, man, dude, that's awesome. I love that illustration. That's so good. And I want to make sure that too, that if you don't have a vision for your life right now, that's okay. Don't feel like a failure. Don't feel like, oh gosh, I'm behind the eight ball. Listen, whether you're you know fresh in your twenties or man, you're actually starting to push farther along later in your season saint. you got some, some of the gray hairs. Um, we can start to create a vision for our life right away, which is beautiful because now we can start to create a beautiful new life. Yeah. Um, this, this is really cool. And, you know, so once you start seeing some success, uh, I love this quote you have in your book and it says success will never fix you, but it will expose you. Yeah, man. And this is a beautiful quote that you have. I mean, tell me more about this because I think people, once they start seeing success can get a little bit hung up in it. Yeah. So in my early twenties, when I was trying to build these businesses, uh, I was trying to create the empire of Nate. And I thought that if I build a big enough empire, if I get enough money, if I have the right stuff, people in my life will actually like me. Maybe I'll actually like me because I didn't like mm. who I was. I was so, um, I was very insecure. I, I wasn't confident in, in my attributes as a human being. I was this chubby kid from Ohio who, who didn't really have a great self-image. And so when, when I started to create this success, um, and I started to do really, really well, I thought that that would be the answer for me. Um, I thought that it would actually give me what, what I was seeking, which was happiness. I, I think at the end of the day, we're all looking for happiness or, or another probably better word for it is fulfillment. And, um, here's the thing. Fulfillment doesn't come from how big can I create my empire, but fulfillment comes from how can I help you accomplish your dreams? Now, listen, I hope that all of us set big goals. Uh, we become massively successful. We do really, really well. That is my wish for you. But I love the Tony Robbins quote that says, success without fulfillment is actually failure. So we, we I never included this fulfillment part. I skipped right over it. I, I wasn't interested in helping anybody else. So now my life consists of, man, not just how well can I do, which I want to do really well. I, I believe providing for my family and creating a really great life is important. But I am also deeply vested and interested in helping other people create their own comeback, do something significant with their life, being of value to other people because it makes me feel good. It makes, it, it makes me feel good. And it makes me feel fulfilled. And I'm, I'm contributing to something bigger than myself. And so I don't want to get hung up on just success. I also want to make sure that I'm including fulfillment in that as well. Yeah. Too often, too often, a lot of people will put off servitude until they feel like they have things figured out. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, well, let me take a step back. Let me figure out what's going on in my life. And once I get everything kind of put together, then people are going to see me as someone who can help them. Right. And I believe that when you're on the come up, you can bring people with you. Yes. And it doesn't matter where you are in your stage of life. And if you're listening to this at home, like you have something to give to the world. Come on. And it, you owe it to the world to give it to, to everybody. Because I think you can be motivated, inspired, educated by anybody. You are an expert in something. Yes. And you can teach. And I think it brings so much happiness, fulfillment, um, 
to your life to give back. And you do quote this, this study from Harvard mm. in your book. And, and the conclusion from this, stu- this study was, and it was done um, about happiness and about life back in the Great Depression. And this conclusion was close relationships, more than money and fame, are what keep people happy throughout life. So, so, what, I, so what I really want to know from you is... How much should servitude, should bringing other people up through connections, how much of that should we be putting into our future vision, into our goals, into our long-term blueprint for our life? Yeah, I think that it's vitally important that we have that included into the vision for our future only because there, you'll get to a point. I, th- I heard this this statistic and somebody can co- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think they said like once you make anywhere between 80 and $120,000, like mm-hmm. your level of happiness doesn't really increase all that much. It's it's marginal. Um, so what we need to do, so if, if, if we understand that principle to be true, like once you hit a certain threshold of success, it's not going to make you feel any different, but what can make you feel ecstatic, excited, passionate, um, juiced up to continue to move forward is, is how am I helping and impacting other people? So for me, it's, it's literally built into everything that I do is I want to make sure that I'm not just making a success of myself, but I'm also making an impact in other people's lives. And that looks different for everybody, right? It, it doesn't mean that you have to create a nonprofit and go out and serve underprivileged youth, which I think is amazing if you're doing that. I've actually sat on a board before for that. And I think it's wonderful. It's needed. But you, it may look like I'm just actually mentoring other people in my field for free. I mean, I know that there's a lot of coaching programs out there. And and listen, I, I've, I've been a part of them. I've, I've been coached myself. But man, there's something special about being a mentor to somebody who like literally has nothing to offer you. That is that my friends can be a very beautiful symbiotic relationship where you're literally watching someone grow and maybe even surpassing where you've gone in life. Yeah. So let's take a step back on this too, because I think this is really important. And I, I think that, you know, you brought up a really good point that you don't need to start a not-for-profit to, to give back, to, to live kind of a life of servitude. It's so important to me to include other people um, in your life. And I, I believe that everybody can give back to somebody else. So I think that if you don't feel like right now you have anything to give to anyone else, I want to tell you that one of the most important things you can do is just smile at someone when you pass them by. And if you're passing someone on the street, you don't have to give them money. You don't have to feed them. You don't need to mentor them. But I think it's so important to understand that all of us humans are in this together. We're all sharing this space together. And if you can just smile and just bring joy to someone's life. There's people who don't have anyone smile at them all day long. It's sad. Oh my gosh. So give give them that joy. Give them that smile. Give them, you know, hey, I see you. I see you. Like you're doing great over there. Yeah, you the know? first the first step that I got when, when I got out of jail is I uh, I went to Walgreens that was right next to the jail facility and um I, I walked in and this lady who was I mean she had to been in her mid 50s, super sweet lady. She said Hey honey, how can I help you? And she had this big smile on her face and mm. a, literally a tear started to stream down my face because nobody in the last six months 
talk to me with genuine concern or care. And it, ch- it changed me in that moment. It gave me a hit of encouragement and gave me a hit of excitement and gave me a hit of hope and joy for just a moment. And it was exactly what I needed right there. Yeah. I've always believed too that um, one of the biggest keys to success is aggregating success on top of itself. So to just start something with a win, right? I've always talked a lot about getting up earlier in the morning than, than you plan to get up, setting your alarm, getting up when it goes off. But I think this can be done um, in terms of helping others as well. And I think that if you start your day with just a smile or a compliment, my grandfather does this perfectly. Hmm. And my grandfather lives in assisted living. And one of the things he always says is the one thing that I make sure I do every single day is I compliment someone. Yeah, He said, you won't believe. He said, the assisted living home I live in, it can be depressing. Yes, It's a lot of old people who are going through the end stages of their life. He said, it could be depressing. He said, you won't believe if I compliment someone at lunch, I may compliment one person, that person smiles and then all of a sudden, everyone around us starts smiling and the whole table starts laughing. And there are people that I have sat with at lunch who have n- had not laughed in months. Yeah. And I have made their day by complimenting. So I think just doing something for someone else as simple as a compliment can get you started on this path of success because you can build on that and understand that like, look, I set out to do something. I complimented someone. They feel better. That's a win. That's so now good. Now what? Now what? So, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm curious because you talk, you do talk about identity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you did say when you lost your bar, you lost your identity. So, you know, how do you shift from what we do to who we are yeah. in terms of your identity? Yeah, this is um, a really great question because I think sometimes in life we'll build our identity based on the things that we do. And it's so easy to, for it to happen. Like when you meet somebody, it's like, hey, I'm Nate. And you introduce who you are based on the things that you've done or what you're doing. Um, and we can get wrapped up a lot in what we accomplish in this world. And while, yes, that's that's good and that that's important, I don't want us to become so dependent on what other people think of us. Because if I live on other people's praises, I'll die by their condemnations. If I live on other people's praises, I will die on their condemnations. So Explain that to me. Yeah. So here's the deal. Like creating and building stuff is awesome. It's so good. It feels great. Right. Like I, I don't know about you, but when like when I'm working and I'm like, like checking off the things on the the to-do list, like that, the achiever inside of me is like, go Nate, go Nate, go Nate, do it, bro. Um, and that's, that's really, really, that's really good. That feels awesome. But when I'm, if I'm solely doing it just so that I can get the attaboy or there you go, or no way, or wow, or did you hear about, um, if that's the only thing that my identity is based on, which is for me, that's what it was when I had the bar. It was so, I, I, I was felt like I was on this power trip when I was 26 years old and I would tell people, oh yeah, yeah, you know that bar that has the really great burgers? Yeah, I own that. Like for me, like I, I could, I, I used to even remember it now, like feeling that feeling of what it was like to say that. Um, so here's the problem though, is that if that stuff isn't built on a firm foundation, if it's shaky, if it's based on what other people's perception of me is, 
when that perception starts to change, my identity starts to crumble. So now all of a sudden there was a season in my life where people weren't saying good things about me. They weren't excited for who I was. They weren't proud of me. And so my, my whole belief system, my identity, my, my sense of self came crashing down. So I, I want to build my identity, not necessarily on the things that I'm achieving, but I, I like to associate it more on the process that I'm going through. And also for me, spirituality has been a huge help and a huge benefit for that of like being connected to something bigger than myself and my creator in life. That has been a huge help for me when it comes to identity. Man, that's, that's beautiful. Um, Obviously when you're going through a lot of these roadblocks and you're, you're questioning your identity, I mean, you're definitely going to encounter haters and you do talk about this in the book how how do you i mean how do you handle someone who's just hating is hating to hate or you know i mean is it is it just taking your identity out of the equation how do you handle a hater so there's there's two types that i've seen so there's going to be people in your life who they know a version of you that doesn't exist anymore and you've actually given them every reason to think the way that they do And yeah, I mean, they're going to say stuff that hurts because they actually still believe you are the same way. That's not necessarily true, but that's one version of a hater. The second one is, is if you've ever watched a YouTube video that has more than a million views, um, you check out the comment section. It is just filled with people that have nothing but negative things to say. And this dude actually breaks my heart when I read these, the comment Mm -hmm. section sometimes. And because the reality is, is there's two ways to get the biggest building in town. We can either build ours up very, very tall, or we can actually start to tear down the buildings of other people around us. And for some reason, as human beings, and I I really, not all of us, but I would say there's a good majority of people that do this. When we hear about other people's success or achievements, our first reaction isn't to celebrate them. Our first reaction is to say, well, I should be there or what's wrong with me or I didn't do that yet. And it's even sometimes it's subconscious that we do it. We, we constantly reflect that back upon ourselves and the reaction to that can be dangerous. That's when you become a hater, bro. When you see somebody else doing something significant and you've got nothing good to say about it, consider yourself a hater. But, yes. but haters are a sign of significance. Know this. Know that if you are doing or creating or building, you're always going to have people who come in opposition to you. It's just, it's going to happen. Just know that. So if you're starting to feel like some pushback or some rub or some tension, just know you're on the right path. It's, it's a flag. It's an indicator. It's just a, a, a knob on your dial that's just, okay, this is a data point for me. I'm moving in the right direction because I'm opposed to some other people's opinions, thoughts, or concerns about me. Yes. And, you know, I love this because I, I've interviewed a, a handful of people who've kind of articulated this idea really well. One of them being um, pro snowboarder Lucas Foster. And he said, look, like I want to go to the Olympics. And my mom always taught me, like, if you want to be different, you got to do different things. That's right. Because I, I asked him, I said, how do you train to be an Olympic snowboarder when you're training with just a whole group of other people that have the same talent pools you and you're all vying for one or two positions. And he was like, they're all my bros, but I got to train different. I got to do something differently. And if you're doing something different, you're going to attract friction and hate. And I truly believe the foundation of hate 
is the haters insecurity and their yeah. insecurity in themselves in the process. And if you're doing something different, you're teaching, but you're also, you know, you're able to then accomplish and push past what other people might not be able to push past. Yeah. Especially when I'm getting like feedback from people, I want to make sure like if I'm taking advice or direction or guidance, I want to make sure it comes from somebody that I'm willing to trade places with. Mm. Um, and so if, if I'm not willing to trade places with you in life, um, I, I, I will listen to your opinion from time to time, but I doesn't necessarily mean I'm actually going to take any of the advice. I just, you, listen, I'm not taking financial advice from my broke uncle at the barbecue. I love you, uncle. You're, you're a great man. You make me laugh so hard, but I'm not like, I'm not taking how, like, I think that there is a strategy for in, investing in cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. I just, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to it from you. You don't have a great track record. I need to, I need to take it advice from people who have gone where I want to go and who are doing what I want to do. Yeah. And, and on that point too, um, you actually did something which to me, is the single best strategy to create financial abundance in your life. And I love that you were able to do this coming from a background with very little um, understanding about money, about investing. And um, congratulations, by the way, you are married. So you're coming through all this, you know, you have an amazing wife and, and you're starting to really kind of like create abundance in your life. And one of the things you did was you bought a duplex. And anyone that has ever asked me like, oh, how do I kind of start to create financial freedom for myself? I tell everybody this, buy a duplex, live in one side and rent the other side. You are now living rent free. So why would you ever, why would you ever rent a house? Now, I understand that there's a barrier to entry in terms of like getting a loan or trying to figure it out, but there's programs in place that can help you do it at a very low entry point. And it doesn't have to be a beautiful house, right? Like it could be anywhere, but buy a house that someone's going to pay your rent. And then when you kind of pay that down and you've accumulated some savings, then rent the side that you're in and buy a new house. And then maybe you buy a duplex, maybe you buy a single family home because you want to expand your family, get a dog with a yard, whatever it is. But now you have this financial asset that is making you money and you are free financially. You have no debt or at least your debt is being paid for. And I, I love that you did this. I mean, did you feel like this was something that that you kind of gave much thought to? or? Yeah. So the reality is, is that I even though I was trying to build businesses in my twenties, I was, I had a very uh, poor understanding of financial literacy. Um, my mentality was always just, I'll make more. So I'll be good. Just, yeah. just make more money. I didn't understand the concept of taking care of what I have. Mm-hmm. And so when, when Jenna and I first got married, I knew that I wanted to be able to provide a life for us that was built on a solid foundation. And so that meant I had to do some things right in the beginning. We were living in her parents' basement when we first got married and they were, they were, they were really gracious and great people. Um, it was a a really, really great experience, but we also, we wanted to have our own place. And so we went on the journey of trying to just talk to other people and ask questions and really get some advice from people who wish they would have done things a little bit differently. And the common theme that kept coming up, it's the same thing you said, it's the same thing mentors in our life said was start looking for duplexes, get a duplex, buy a house where somebody will pay your rent for you. And at the time, I mean, Jen and I, it's not like we're making a ton of money. So we needed to be smart with the money that we did have. 
Mm-hmm. And so buying the duplex was a great, great, great investment for us. It's been really, really um, productive. We're at the point now we're actually trying to figure out what's our next move. Is it another duplex? Do we want to start to have kids here soon? So we might buy a single family. I feel like you were like telling my life story <laughs> when you were explaining that uh, because those are literally the decisions that we're trying to make next. But whatever it is, we do want to make sure that we're covered. So if we start to rent out the side that we're li- living in right now, um, it will cover the mortgage on our next place, whether it is yes. another duplex or maybe it's a, a single family home. Yeah, I love that. Dude, Nate, your your perspective is amazing. You've got such a, a great outlook on gratitude, on life, and... Uh, I could keep going with this forever, but you know, I want to be respectful of your time. And I do have three questions that I always end with. Guys, you got to go out and, and read this book. It's a fantastic book. It's well-written. It's concise. It's easy to follow. Um, you'll really feel like you know Nate incredibly well. Uh, it's called You'll Never, You'll Never Change. Nate, how can people find you and how can people get the book? Yeah, you, so you can go onto Amazon right now and type in You'll Never Change. Uh, or you can go to you'llneverchange.com. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> uh, you could also check them out on Instagram. Um, and what's your handle on Instagram? At who is Nate Dukes? I've been trying to figure out that question for a long time. So who is Nate Dukes? It's a never ending journey. That's well, right, final, final three questions. So you obviously wrote a number one Amazon bestseller, but what's the most impactful book that you've ever read? So there was this John Maxwell book that I read right out of uh, right out of uh, getting out of jail, and it was called The Five Levels of Leadership. And it's a more of a leadership book, but there was a quote in that book that really impacted me. He said, "If you want your world or your life to change, you've got to be the one that changes first. And so that was the catalyst for me. That was like when you get those aha moments, those things that really spark you, that was the moment that I said, okay, I've got to take some personal responsibility and I've got to start to make some changes in my life if I want my world to be different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, So you did own a bar, but I love this question. It gives so much insight into somebody. If you could have a drink with anyone past or present, who would it be? What would you drink and why? Oh, this is such a great question. <laughs> um, I would probably, I would choose to have a drink with, um, so my top three would probably do. I'm, I'm, I'm like stumbling around this question. I'm a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge fanboy of Tony Robbins. Like they say, never meet your heroes, but I want to meet him so freaking bad. I think he's, I think he's uh, a pioneer when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So I would love to sit down. I don't even know if he drinks, but whatever he's having, that's what I'm having. I'm, I'm matching his drink. And I just, I, I would just love to be around the environment that he creates and he produces. Yeah. His energy is off the chain. Um, I would be shocked if it was Red Bull, but that might get you to that energy level. (laughs) But uh, that's it. That's a great answer. And then last question, you know, the Every Breath Counts podcast, I started this for a lot of reasons and it has a lot of meanings to me. Um, But it's it's kind of seated in gratitude and taking advantage of opportunities and just becoming the best version of yourself and optimizing your own life. So how do you make every breath count in your life? Dude, I love what the word that you said there, which is gratitude. Um, 
before you write this off, before you write this off as another gratitude list or a gratitude guy or attitude of gratitude, just, just hear me out for just a second. Um, every single day I choose to cultivate gratitude in one way or another. And it is because that gratitude will remind us that what we currently have is enough, but more importantly, that we are enough. And, um, it may not change your world, but it, it can change you and it can change your perspective. And it is, it's hard to be grateful and angry at the same time. It's hard to be grateful and resentful at the same time. So I want to choose every single day as best as I can. I'm not perfect at it. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent all of the time, but man, if I can choose to be grateful, I will. I love that. Nate Dukes, man, I, I loved your book. I don't say it about everybody's book that I've read. It was a great book. It was well-written guys go out, check out the book. You'll never change. And just like Nate said, you are enough. You can change. You are awesome. Go out and make every friend. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I can't articulate how grateful I am for you. If this episode was inspiring, motivating, or educational, it would mean the world to me if you hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen and left a positive five-star review. And if you want to learn about new episodes as they come out, check out my Instagram at everybreathcountspodcast and sign up for my newsletter at everybreathcountspodcast.com. Have a great day and make every breath count.